Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Amazing to have you here this morning. If you are visiting us, uh, my name is Tyler. I'm on staff here at Life Changes. I do a couple of things, including the printing mistakes, which is exciting. Um, so that might be a, a disciplinary one on, on Monday, but just pray for me. It will be fine. Mark's not here. Don't tell him. Okay, good. So, um, but really, really excited to have the privilege of, of being up here this morning. We won't be long, but we are in the middle of a series um, in, through the book of Daniel. We are a very creative church. When we had a meeting to decide what we were going to call this series, we unanimously decided on Daniel, a four-week series. Come on! Can we give a round of applause for the creative people in this church? We are on the cutting edge. No, I'm, I'm not joking. We really are. People are they're asking. We're getting phone calls from the U.S. They're asking for advice on how we get this stuff right. We really are doing a good job, but it really is an amazing privilege to have you. I, my name is Tyler. Like I said, I am getting married in just over two months' time, which is really exciting. So a lot of people have said, is she real? Um, don't laugh. Okay. Well, pastor, I don't lie. Um, but she is real, and I'm going to invite her up here very quickly. No, come I just want to show the people, because you're so pretty, and I love you. So this is Kate. Um, and she's very pretty, and I don't know how I got this right, but we're just going to keep the ruse going. But I love you very much. Back down. Okay, so she's real, guys. I know. Can you believe it? Um, God can do anything for anyone. Michael? Any single ladies? Michael will be in the courtyard afterwards. Grab a coffee if you're visiting. Um, but really is an incredible opportunity to be up here. Um, thank you to the elders, to Mark, to Gabe for, for the opportunity to be able to preach God's word. I'm really excited. I've got faith for, for this morning. And we really have had an incredible year. It has been a phenomenal year of really, really high moments of God moving, of people's lives being transformed. Um, some lower moments where we've grappled together as a church and fought through some, some things and standing together. And, and actually we realized that God, one of the major themes of the book of Daniel is very simply this, God is in control. God is in control. And actually the reality is that no matter what happens in your world, God is not surprised by it. I think sometimes we think that God orchestrated the past, he's in our present, but is not aware of our future. But actually we read and understand scripture, we realize that God is omnipresent, he's omniscient, he's aware of all things. And so one of the major themes of this book is that actually God is in control. And as we um, kick off this, as we've kicked off the series over the last two weeks, we've really dug into this, this reality. It's a short series, only four weeks. We're in the third part of it. And actually, we are only looking at the first six chapters of Daniel. The first six chapters of this book are, are stories about Daniel's life, about this young and then as he gets older, passionate man who passionately loves God. And just to bring you up to speed, Daniel um, is a, a, a Hebrew. He's uh, of the people of Judah, which are, are God's chosen nation. And they are living in the promised land. Everything is sweet. Things are going well. I love it. Um, Jacques and Louise. Louise is up front here. There we go. Jacques is hiding somewhere else. But that's fine. Baby's room. Good. That's good. Jacques. 
Hope you're having a good time in there. Um, but really incredible. They got um, blessed with an opportunity to receive an incredible house supernaturally. And I just remember Jacques and Louise, it was a celebratory moment of actually, wow, we've got this new house and life is incredible. Our kids can run further than four meters in one go now. It's like, it's absolutely amazing. And we celebrate with them. And actually, life gifts us with these incredible highs. I'm getting married in two months to an incredible lady. And often I'm going, I'm almost standing around the corner waiting. You know when you're like, no, this is too good. What's going No, no, something, something's going to happen. No, no. And you live in this world where actually God blesses us with these incredible highs and Daniel and the people of Judah are in the promised land. And then this moment hits where a Babylonian king named Nebuchadnezzar invades the, um, the people of Judah and he takes over their nation. He, he totally um, takes control of their nation. He is a tyrant king. He's an evil man. He is consumed with power and, and bigger. It's, it actually says that the walls of the city of Babylon were wide enough that two four-horse chariots could drive next to each other. They were these enormous walls. This man was consumed with wealth and power, and he invades Judah, and Daniel and many, many other people, along with his four friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get taken to Babylon. So they go from this beautiful, perfect, incredible reality and get transported to this place named Babylon where this ruler is consumed with wealth and all of these things. And actually, to give you a little bit of an understanding around Babylon, they worship pagan gods. So the people of God, the people of Judah worshipped our God, Jesus, the one true God, Yahweh. They worship God and they get pulled into this place that worships idols of gold, idols of silver. Money is all they worry about. Um, Their biggest concern is the, the pleasures of the day. How will we acquire more pleasure? They get sucked into this world. And actually, all of a sudden, they are on an incredible high. And then they enter this radical low point in their journey. Daniel, these men, and many, many others... Um, actually, if you look at the cities that we live in as people, they wouldn't be too far off Babylon. It's actually that as, as Christians, as believers, and if you're not a believer in Christ here this morning, I pray that you would see the wonder of our incredible Jesus and His kindness and choose to put your faith in Him. But actually, if you are a believer in Christ, you are in a world, you are in Babylon at this time. I don't know if you just have to drive through Cape Town on Friday evening, we went for dinner, we were walking through Cape Town, and you just realize that we live in a city that's primary end is to satisfy itself. Its primary end is money, is power, is all of those things. But the, the challenge is that often as believers, we live in this reality where we either abandon the culture or we assimilate into the culture. So we either choose to run away and hide and get into our bomb shelters as believers and we only ever have lunch with our Christian friends and we only ever let our kids play with the Christian kids at school and and we start to live in our bomb shelter or alternatively we we run and and we or we, we become like the culture. We assimilate because actually, well, it's too hard to be different. But actually the book of Daniel is this beautiful picture of what it looks like for a believer in the one true God to be in Babylon, be an exile, but still serve God powerfully. And actually, that is the call of the church. The Bible says that we are a city on a hill. The Bible says that we are called to shine our light. We are called to be a collection of believers who will 
who, who in the midst of Babylon, pagan worship, pursuits of, of, of hedonism, pursuits of pleasure, and all of these things consumes our world. And actually, the Word of God calls us to be in that space and not only to, to be in it, but to affect change in it. Yeah. That is the call of the believer. And so this book is a beautiful, incredible example in the Word of what it looks like for a believer in Christ, a, a worshiper of the one true God, to live in exile. The Bible calls us exiles on earth. Our, um, our residency is not earth. If you have given your, your life to Christ, your, your residency, your place of occupancy is heaven. But God has placed us for a time here, and not only because, well, that's where you need to be, but actually, the Bible is very clear. We are placed here for a purpose. And it's when we forget the purpose that we lose our way in following God. And so this book is this incredible example. The, one of the main themes is how they live in exile. And, and it is not only them living there, but we are called to dwell there. You know, the Lord's Prayer says, Our God who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The, the challenge often is that God arts in heaven and we art on earth. And so we think that this, we are supposed to be very different well, we're not in heaven. We can't be like that. But actually the Bible says, not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that is the power of God. Salvation is the power of God that dwells in you. And so we have this incredible story of, of Daniel. And as we look at Daniel, we see this incredible man of faith who, who lives out this radical story in exile. And just to bring you up to speed with the story, we're going to jump into chapter 5 in a moment. But basically, Daniel is brought into Babylon. He's made in exile. He's forced to live in a country that is not his. He does not know the language. He does not eat the food. He does not know the people. He does not know the tradition, traditions. When I was 12 years old, we moved from Johannesburg to Cape Town. They are polar opposite places. For two or three years of my life, I felt like I was in... I was, I didn't know how to assimilate. I didn't have many friends. It was, um, it was just this, this like, wow. And, and that is the same nation, but two cities. Now, can you imagine this man who walks into a completely different culture? Though, for those of you who have traveled overseas and lived in other countries, you'll, you'll have a small understanding of what this man went through. He gets, um, he's given radical favor through making decisions for God. He chooses not to eat the food of the day. Um, he, he, he eats what God calls them to eat. He gains favor with the, the, the leaders of the day. He's brought before King Nebuchadnezzar because God gives him a supernatural ability to, to interpret dreams. He's brought before this king. Um, he interprets this king's dream. He's given great acclaim. Then a chapter later, the same king says, you must worship a golden idol. Daniel says, I will not worship a golden idol. I worship Jesus. And so what the king decides to do is throw him into a fiery furnace. So one chapter, he's basically third in command of the nation. The next chapter, him and his mates are being burnt. You can understand that this is a challenging time for this man. But the incredible narrative of the story is that he stays faithful to God. And we're going to get stuck into that. He's thrown into a fiery furnace. The, the flames do not affect him and, and his three friends at all. It says that in the fire there was a fourth man with them. He then interprets a second dream. And in both of these dreams, he basically tells the king that his kingdom is going to fall. He basically says to him, the guys, I don't know about you, but if I was sitting in front of the most powerful man in the world, and he said to me, can you interpret my dream? And he says it to me, I'd probably go, well, what that means is that you're going to be really rich and things are just going to get better. I'm, I'm telling you, it's just going to get better. 
That would be, I don't know about you, uh, maybe you guys would be brave and go, no, well, actually, you're going to die. Um, but for me, I'd be like, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's going to be totally fine. Um, and so he interprets these dreams. Then he interprets another dream. King Nebuchadnezzar's reign ends. He dies. And in chapter 5, we enter the reign of a new king. Um, and can I ask us, actually, as a community, can we stand as we read Scripture together? Um, we really believe that the Word of God is powerful. We believe that it transforms people's lives. And so let's read together. It will be on the screen behind me. Chapter 5, verse 1. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought that the king and his lords, his wives, his concubines might drink of them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives, his concubines drank. They drank and praised the gods of God, gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. So this was not normal in the day. Not very often a hand just started writing on the wall, just to give you a bit of context. Um, and the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed, his thoughts alarmed him, his limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. Okay, so just to give you an illustration, if you've ever seen Michael do announcements, you'll understand what happened to this king in this moment. Maybe you can illustrate for the people later, Michael. So his knees knocked together. Then the king called loudly to bring the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. Bring everyone who knows anything, basically. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck. He shall be the third ruler of the kingdom. And all the wise men came. They could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. He was greatly alarmed. His color changed. And the lords were perplexed. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall, and the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your colors change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, um, light and understanding and wisdom like the kingdom of gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, You are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king my father brought from Judah. I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men and the enchanters have been brought in before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Can we take our seats? Father, I thank you that this morning, that as we read your word, it would convict and challenge us, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that your word cuts through bone and flesh and spirit, God. Thank you that you use your word to transform our lives, that it changes us, it challenges us, and it moves us forward, God. And I pray this morning, as we speak for a few moments on this incredible text, that you would transform our hearts, that we would not stay the same, but that we would leave this place changed. In your incredible name, Jesus. Amen. 
The chapter goes on to tell the story of how Daniel says to the king, actually, I don't want your riches, but I'm happy to interpret your dream. He interprets the king's dream. He tells the king that he is going to die. And then that night, the king is killed. And he, sta- he stands before this man and, and with boldness and courage declares what God is saying. And so this morning, as we look at this chapter, I just want to, I'm going to make three very simple points that I trust would give us handles on how to live as exiles in a broken world, not only live here, but dwell and affect change, because that is the call of the church. My first point is this, that Daniel was faithful in the ordinary. He was faithful in the ordinary. Faithful is to actively pursue a a desired future without wavering from that pursuit. It is the ability as a person to constantly do the same thing over and over and over again to achieve a certain end. That is faithfulness. You are there always. You know some people, you just know those faithful people. You know the people who when trouble hits, you can phone them and they will be there. You know that they are, my my fiance is one of those persons. She is like this, just consistent all the time, faithful in her personality, in her attitudes all the time. I'm this guy. I just like that all the time. Happy, sad, happy, sad, like it all the time. She is faithful and consistent. But I want to say, thank you. Um, but I want to say, I want to say to you this morning that being faithful as a believer is not only being faithful to your purposes, it is being faithful to the purposes of God. And something that marked the character of Daniel was that he was faithful in every moment. Daniel has lived for many years in exile. This is not Nebuchadnezzar. This is many, many years later. This is a new king. He is an older man. He has been there for many, many years. Yet we see that actually he has remained faithful. How do we know he's faithful? Well, actually, the queen mentions Daniel. It's not the king who knows of him. He doesn't really know much. He has no clue who Daniel is. But this queen, who had been around in Nebuchadnezzar's day, remembers this man. And what you would find is that she had probably been seeing Daniel for years and years and years, serve in the courts, do his job, fight through things, just remain faithful. And the reality is, as believers, we live before a watching world. And therefore, even the simplest day-to-day things are powerful. We are called as believers to live faithfully in the ordinary of our lives. Um, For example, your workplace or your place of of study or your schools or, or wherever you find yourself on a daily basis, are you faithful to God in those spaces? Do you do your work well? Do you fight for for people to actually see, well, there's something that is different about this man and he doesn't need to tell me he's different. There is something about him that is different. That was the mark of Daniel. He remained faithful in every single moment of his journey in exile. Now, I want to paint a little bit of a picture. He was not a, um, a man of acclaim when he arrived here. He depended on the king for his food, for a place to live, for all of these things. He gets pulled into exile. Into, he is a prisoner. Actually, he is only alive because the king has decided that he would be alive. Yet he remains faithful to the purposes of God and to what God has called him to in that space. I think so often as believers in Christ, we pray passionately for our circumstances to change. 
We have a boss who is difficult. And so we pray, Lord, would that boss leave? Or would I get another opportunity? Or would I get another job? And I'm not saying that there are not season changes in our lives. But I think often God is calling us to be faithful and consistent in the space that we are in. Why? Because God wants to affect change in that space. He wants to use you to affect change in that space. You know, often as a pastor, who often people look to the pastor of the church as the man who will get people's lives transformed. I want to say to you that often being in a ministry role is the most limiting job you can have to affect change in the world. Actually, being in the marketplace, being teachers, being sportsmen, being in all of these different spaces and choosing to be faithful and diligent and hardworking in those spaces like Daniel did in exile in tough spaces can often be the thing that is the most powerful because people see it and they go, there is something different here. The queen saw Daniel for years and years and years. The Bible says there was an excellent spirit about Daniel. He was in the midst of the most difficult reality you can possibly imagine, and the Bible said there was an excellent spirit. I don't know about you, but that is incredibly challenging for me. That actually in the morning, I want to wake up and I want to be faithful to my context. I want to be faithful to the situation God has put me into effect change. Are you the person that your boss goes to in the midst of trial? Does your boss look at you? I know this is a, I'm a young man, I haven't had many years of experience, but if we look at the Word of God, we see a man who in the midst of the most difficult situation in a king's life, he chooses to go to this man. And the reality is that the Bible teaches us things. And so I would ask you that question. When there is trial in your workplace, are you the person that people come to? Because that is a mark of the Spirit of God inside of you. It's not an indicator of how great you are. It is a mark of the Spirit of God inside of you. Are you constantly praying for that change, or are you trusting God to use you in your space? Because actually the reality is if we all work for Christian companies and with Christian bosses and Christian friends, we are never going to see the city transformed. And the Bible calls us to see the city transformed. They had their homes taken from them. They had no guarantee of food. They had no guarantee of anything. Yet in the midst of being given all of these things by a king, I would be insecure. If this king was giving me my daily bread, he was giving me these things, he was, he was handing these things out to me all the time. I, I would be insecure. I would want to do what that king says. But actually, Daniel knew that actually his, his provider was God. And so he's not trusting his boss for a salary. He's trusting God for his provision. It transforms the way we engage culture and the way we engage the world. We think that in order to serve our context faithfully, we need to compromise. And one of the, the key things that marked Daniel's journey is service without compromise. He served faithfully, but he never compromised on what God had called him to. He served faithfully, but he never compromised. So these kings call him into a space and they say to him, well, actually, we need you to do this. Worship this God, eat this food. And not once does he compromise on what God has called him to. I think so often we think, well, actually, my, my work context is so difficult that I, I just have to bend. I have to bend slightly because otherwise I'll never make it through. But you know that the promise of the word of God is if you stand firm in God's ways, he will give you faith, he will provide for you, and he will open up opportunity. That is the promise of the word of God. Now, there is no promise that says it won't be difficult, but it does say that God will use you powerfully. Service without compromise, that is the mark of a believer. Point one, he was faithful in the ordinary, 
Point two, he was faithful for the extraordinary. Number one, he is faithful in the ordinary. Secondly, he was faithful for the extraordinary. I remember as a young man in, in school in matric, we did a fast as a church, um, and I was a very zealous young man who passionately loved Jesus. I still passionately love Jesus. And I remember going, and, and I, I read the word. I was learning about fasting. This was all new to me. I didn't grow up in a church. I didn't grow up in a Christian context. And I read the Bible, and it said uh, Jesus went without food or water. So I thought, okay, let's go. Okay, so day one, no food, no water. I didn't tell anyone I was doing this, because from the pulpit, the pastors had said, drink water. So they didn't say we must do this, but I was overzealous and overexcited. So I decide, okay, I am going to do this thing. And I'm like, and day one, you pumped, eh? You're a little bit dry mouth. You can't really talk to anyone, but you're excited and you've got faith. Then you get to the first night and the spaghetti bolognese. Like, but I tell you, when you're not drinking water, spaghetti bolognese isn't that exciting. The tap looks particularly appetizing in that moment. You're like, whoa, okay, that night, I'm going to just go to bed. 7.30, you're in bed. That's the first night you go to bed on time. You're in bed, you're sleeping. You're like, don't wake up, don't wake up. Your own stomach wakes you up in the middle of the night. You're like, no. Then you get, then day two, still no water. I'm like, whoo. So, you know, you walk in school. Hi, ma'am. How are you? I'm fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teachers are asking you questions. Yeah? What? What? Oh, oh, okay. And, and so day two, I'm hitting no water, no water. I'm like, oh, this is getting hectic. It's just not intelligent, guys. I'm not advocating that you do this. But I just remember there was faith in my heart, and I, I did not tell a soul what I was doing. I remember it was probably the most powerful encounters with God I've ever experienced in my life. I heard the audible voice of God. And I remember I did this, I did this, and I, I just did it faithfully. God called me to do it. I did it faithfully. And on the third day... My mate offered me something to eat, I think, and I said, no, I'm fine. He said, why aren't you eating? And I said, well, actually, no, we're fasting as a church. And he said, well, why are you doing that? And, and there were a couple of other guys standing there, and it's, it's a very simple story. But I got the opportunity to share the gospel with three people. And one of those people went to church and found Christ. And actually, I want to tell you that if you are faithful with the ordinary, but you are faithful for God to use you for the extraordinary, He will open up doors. He will use you in ridiculous ways. And number one, the story follows on. He interprets the king's dream. This is many, many years after he had interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. He comes before the king. You can imagine many years. No one's given him opportunity. No one's given him profile. In many years, you can imagine him sitting there going, wow, this started well, but now it's pretty boring. You can imagine that might have been his process. But he walks in front of this king. God opens up an opportunity. And Daniel responds in faith. And so what I want to ask us this morning is, number one, do you have eyes to see that God wants to use you? Do you have eyes to see the faithful moments that God will open up for you? Do you have eyes to see them? And number two, do you have faith to respond, to trust for the supernatural? Daniel's ability to interpret these dreams was not a natural thing. I honestly believe that the wisdom and power came upon him when he stepped out in faith. We see that narrative right through the scripture. That as we step out in faith, God gives us the gifts we need. Often we sit back and we go, Lord, please will you give me the gift of healing and then I'll go and pray for people. And we're almost hoping that by some supernatural chance, God would say, healing! And you'd feel this like power and it'd be like a Goku moment and your hair would come alive and you'd be like, yes, I'm in this now! Healing! Healing! But actually, God says, step out in faith and he will use you powerfully. 
I can imagine Daniel in this moment, big king, lots of gods, very scary moment, says the dream. It's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Steps out in faith. God gives him the ability to interpret dreams. And through that, God gives him opportunity and profile in a nation once again. Why? Because there was faith in his heart for God to open up extraordinary moments. And when we are faithful with the ordinary, God will open up the extraordinary. And actually what we start to understand is that when we are faithful with the ordinary, we we start to realize that actually every moment is extraordinary. Because in every moment we are ambassadors of Christ. In every moment we are examples of what it looks like to be filled with Christ. Now I know we don't get this right all the time. I don't get it right 90% of the time if I'm honest. But I'm endeavoring to have God transform me so that I can be an ambassador for Christ, I can be faithful in my everyday, and I can be faithful to trust God for the extraordinary. And I want to say to you that God calls you to the same. And I, it's, it's this radical thing that actually as believers in Christ, we know the beginning. The beginning was Christ's victory on the cross in our lives. And we know the end. It's Christ's victory in our lives. We know the beginning and we know the end. Our future is held by God. When we have a revelation and understanding that actually God holds us in the beginning, He saved us, He ripped us out of darkness, and actually we will for eternity be with God in heaven, all of a sudden the ability to live faithfully and faithful in this very short life becomes very possible. But when we do not have a revelation of Jesus, living in faith is very difficult. And so when, we as, uh, when you'll hear a church, guys say, have quiet time, spend time with God. Why do we do that? Because we need constant reminding of who Jesus is. We need constant reminding that God is good in every moment. I don't know about you, but that feels like an amen thing to say. But, I mean, okay. but actually, it transforms the way we do things. When we have a constant revelation that God is in control, it transforms the way we engage our work. Because actually, you know what? I don't have to trust this boss for for my provision. I trust God for my provision. I know that is a very difficult thing to grapple. But we are called to to, to grapple with it. It transforms the way I engage. It, It transforms the way I understand my relationship with my colleagues and my friends and all of these things. I want to throw a small disclaimer out on this point. It's actually often the challenge with Christians is we live in the world where we, we assimilate into culture, so we, we bend. Why? Because, well, well, actually, this is what everybody is doing, or this is what their culture is doing. But the other challenge is that we become so hyper-Christian that people find it impossible to engage with us. So people go to work every day, and every time they walk into their boss's office, they're like, so can I tell you about this scripture I read this morning? And your boss is like, no, I just need you to order some stock. Okay, good. And then you walk in and every moment you're standing in lunches and you're like, you wouldn't believe the revelatory power that the King of Kings has come upon me and he wants to move right now. And you're like, and in every moment we are preaching and we are shy and we are, and actually God is saying, live faithfully and I will open up the extraordinary. You know, the reality is guys, God is in control. He knows what he is doing. We do not have to materialize God moments. God will open up God moments. He is in control. He will open up opportunity. Trust Him for that. For many, many, many years, you can sit in the same office for the same periods of time, connecting, chatting, doing your job well, and all of a sudden there will come a moment where God opens up a door. 
My dad is the most unsaved man you will ever meet in your life. Ever. Uh, ever. I'm not joking. And he, he, his, his thing to me is always, well, actually, you know what? When I die, you can kind of just get rid of my body. I couldn't care less. He, he doesn't care. But actually, God opens up opportunities. I go to his house. Myself and, and Kate went and stayed there for a night. And he said, yeah, the room's over there. And I said to him, no, Dad, we're going to sleep in separate rooms. Because that's his normal. I'm not, it's not an indictment against him. It's his normal. He does not understand why we are not living together. He cannot understand it. But actually, a couple of weeks later, connecting with him when we went down for the call, he said to me, help me understand it. God opens up extraordinary moments. Last time I was with my dad, I see face like potatoes next to his bed. I'm going, come on, God. You're going to do something. You know, I'm like, and, and actually I, I trust me, I haven't been the greatest son at times. I haven't been the perfect Christian. Trust me. But actually, God will open up extraordinary moments when we faithfully, not adhere, when we faithfully trust in His Word. Because it gives us very clear guidelines, guys. The Bible says that the boundary lines of the Lord fall in pleasant places. And the reality is that actually sometimes those boundaries might seem constricting to us. But the Bible says that they fall in pleasant places. Let's fight for these things. Number one. Faithful to the ordinary. Number two, faithful for the extraordinary. And number three, and this is where we're going to end, he was filled with authority. And I want to say to you that authority comes when we hear God's word, when we obey God's word, and we live out God's ways faithfully. I honestly believe if we read the book of Nehemiah, it says that Nehemiah was not sad one day for the years that he worked for his boss. I don't know about you, but that seems impossible to me. I walk in here sometimes, I'm grumpy. Like spinning, I'm like, no, I don't, I, no, this is not cool. And actually, for years and years and years, he did not, he was not sad in front of his boss once. The one day he was, he walked in front of his boss. There was authority on his life. He says to his boss, listen, I need a, like almost, like, I think it's um, 65, uh, 55 days. So that's about two, three months. I need two, three months off. What? I don't know when last you asked your boss for three months off, but I don't think it would go well for most times. I tried for a honeymoon. He said no. Um, and so, um, but that's okay. But you can talk to him for me. Um, and so actually, he walks in front of his boss. He says, I need three months off to go and do this thing. Doesn't really explain it too much. His boss says, okay. Why? Because years and years of being faithful to the ordinary and filled with faith for the extraordinary, led to a moment where God opened up supernatural opportunity. Why? Because he was filled with the authority of God, because he was living in the Word of God. And I believe that God calls each and every one of us to be filled with authority. When Daniel goes, he gets, um, the queen remembers him, the king calls him before him, he stands in front of him, he says, interpret this dream, he explains the dream to him, He stands there and he goes, well, actually what that means is that your reign is going to end. And then he gets promoted to be third in command of the nation. You're going to die, third in command of the nation. It doesn't make sense. But when God fills us with authority, he will use us in ways that we can never imagine. We will walk in things we can never imagine. Why? Because we are faithful to the ordinary And we are faithful for God to open up extraordinary moments. That is what Jesus does. Daniel had remained faithful. And I want to say this, that often it is the faithfulness in the smallest of things that will lead to the greatest fruitfulness. 
in the smallest of things, Daniel decided not to eat what the king was putting in front of him. Why? Because he knew that wasn't what God had called him to. It's a very small thing. And God opens up this radical opportunity for Daniel. Actually, he was filled with authority. Daniel's authority among kings came because of his unwavering faithfulness to God in the midst of his circumstances. I think sometimes we think we need to get the position for God to use us powerfully. But often God will use us powerfully and then we will enter the position. The world says work hard, work hard, fight, do whatever you can, tooth and nail, get through as much as you can, get to the top and then you will have power and authority. But I, can t- I want to tell you that uh, you, you look at a world around us and that thing goes like this. Yeah. Get authority in the workplace. You get all these opportunities and actually gone like that. Yeah. Steve Jobs, gone like that. One of the most powerful men in the world. Presidents, gone like that. But actually when we trust God, there is a track record of faithfulness in this man's life. And when we see that in God, we start to understand that the economy of God is different. When we trust God to make radical decisions in our lives, the economy of God is different. We live in a nation that most people out of university do not stay in a job for longer than eight months at my age, millennials. They do not stay in a job for longer than eight months. Why? Because this boss is irritating me. Or I don't really like this. Or actually, this is a little bit tough. But actually, I believe, and I'm I'm not the... The, the, the poster boy for this stuff. But actually, I have had the same job for six years. I know friends who have had 10 to 15 jobs in the period that I have worked in this space. Why? Because we live in a culture that is faith and faithfulness in a massive deficit. And I think that God is calling the church and through this series is calling us to stand up Be faithful with the ordinary. Trust God for the extraordinary. Stand before kings and live out what God has called us to. I I just want to end with this amazing scripture. It's um, Romans 12 verse 1 to 2. It's from the message version. Um, It says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what He wants from you, and quickly respond to it. You know, faith often comes in moments, and we have to respond, because we forget then, after that, and actually respond quickly to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Trust God, and He will give you authority. He will use you powerfully. Stay faithful, and you will see radical things happen. Just as we, as we take up our offering, I just, I really feel, I feel God wanting to change attitudes. And that might seem like a strange thing, and actually we often pray for healing and breakthrough and all these things, but I really feel God this morning wanting to change attitudes. Because often it starts with our attitude toward things. And when those things shift, often we start to see God open up things. I know when I was, um, when I was 21 years old, Gabe, and I've worked just since I left school, so this is my, my reality, but Gabe 
they honored me the day before my 21st birthday, and Gabe walked up and he, he said, this is Tyler, and, and really did an incredible job of honoring me. And then he made this statement. He said, often you'll see Tyler grumpily walking around the back. And it just, just hit me. You know when you're like, and I was grumpy often, because actually the sound wasn't working, or this wasn't, and things that most people wouldn't see. But actually it just hit me. I was like, is that what I am known for? And I believe that God wants me to be a light amongst people. And actually, it, it, it might seem like a ridiculous thing, but I just remember standing there going, oh, I want that to change. And over a six-month process, after many conversations and many coffees, maybe a little bit longer, God has slowly transformed me. And I, it's such a stupid testimony, but this morning, a, a lady in our church who's on our communion team, she walked up to me, and she said to me, and I asked the guys to change some things, and she said to me, Tyler, you're so gentle with us. And she said, I remember you used to be quite rude and abrupt. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I just, you know, and, and it might seem like a really simple thing, but for me that is such a compliment. Because I ask God to change that thing. And I know sometimes I'm still a little bit like that, but actually I ask God to change that. And God works and He changes attitudes and He transforms things. And actually I want to pray for us this morning that God would change attitudes. Because on Monday, I want you to walk into your job, however tough it may be, and be excited for God to use you. So, Father, can I ask us to stand? I really believe God is going to do something this morning. Father, I thank you for each and every person in this room. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, often you will do radical, what we, what we often interpret as supernatural things like healings and salvations and all these things, God. But sometimes you work in the simple ways, Jesus. And so this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray for this, this group of people, Father. Thank you that, and I pray for myself, Jesus, that you would start to shift attitudes, God. I thank you that it is by your Spirit that our minds are renewed, God. And so I pray right now you would transform us by the renewing of our minds, Father. I thank you where bad thinkings have crept into people. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you would deal with that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, where bad attitudes or, or attitudes of, 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 of um, negativity or, or, or all of these things, God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you would get in and you would transform King of Kings. Thank you, Father, that you, you deal with our minds so that you can deal with our heart, God. And so right now, Spirit of God, I pray for you to shift attitudes. I pray for you to undo mindsets. I pray, God, where, where, where faithfulness has lacked, I pray that you would make it a hallmark of people in this room. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that one of the most powerful things you call us to is faithfulness, Jesus. And so right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would put a passion into the people in this room to be faithful to you, God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, right now. Change our thinking. Transform our thinking so that you transform the way we act, God. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in this room. I pray you would open up hearts pray you would transform lives in your incredible name, King of Kings. Amen.